Well, how is everyone doing this Christmas season? Is it, is it <laughs> a little sick? How many of you get pretty stressed out this time of year? Really? How about, like, raise your hand. If you get this, this stresses you out. I want to see your hand. Right? No stress here this season? I'm not getting gifts. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, planned and organized. Perfect. Well, it, you know, it's, it's amazing because it seems like there's so much to do, there's so much to get ready for and prepare for, so little time to do it, so many people doing it all at the same time, <laughs> and that's part of the stress, is that there's so many people trying to get to the same places, and it, it causes backups everywhere. And when you have all the pe- people trying to do the same thing, the same time, the same place, and there's too many of you, it's stressful, right? I mean, and, and if you're, and this is the thing for guys, I think the number one thing they do is uh, they wait till like today and, oh no, <laughs> got to get something and uh, the stress is on. But I hope this morning, I hope this morning's message helps you with your stress level somewhat because as, as we understand what God's part is and what our part is, and we realize that God is the one who does the heavy lifting and he's calling us to do the light lifting, it brings a lot of freedom and joy. However, we mess this up a lot of times. We take responsibilities and we, and we place on ourselves a burden that is God's to carry, not ours. But for some reason, we think we can just do a, you know, maybe a better job, um, that should be funny. Uh, or we think that, you know, somehow uh, if we don't do it, the, the earth will fall apart. So there's a sense in which we put on ourselves a, a level of expectation that, and a responsibility that's really not ours to carry. Because we, we truly do think, it shows our lack of faith, because don't we believe and think that if we don't do it, there's this dreaded feeling inside that it's, it really is going to come undone and things are going to be bad. Like, but God's saying, no, that's mine to take care of. Yeah, but really? Yeah. Yeah, that's mine to take care of. And this, even though this morning we're going to be talking about this, continuing this message about being on mission, I think that uh, once we understand what it really means, even on our part, we can apply this to all areas of life. And this is where really, if we apply it and we believe it and we do it, we actually experience the peace and joy of the Lord in it. That's always the problem, though, applying it. Here's something I want to talk about this morning. The main thing that we want I want to address is that if we are to become a church on mission, then the church needs to begin praying and observing, praying and observing. And we've already, um, as we've went through this series, we've already looked at, think of it in terms of body parts, right? We've already looked at the heart, the heart of God that we have to gain if we're to be on mission. We have to gain the heart of God, have to have his compassion, have to have his love for the world and for the lost. And then we talked about the mindset. Remember the mindset, the proper mindset and understanding yourself is this, that I'm a priest of God. He's made me a priest to minister, 
to minister to the world around me. So that's the mindset needed. And then we looked at the hands and feet of love. Last week, we talked about the necessity. If we're going to be a church on mission, we have to get our hands and feet active. And we need to start loving in real practical, tangible, little ways, extending the kingdom of God. And now we're going to look at the posture. Not just the posture, but also our sight. Because so the eyes, the posture we're going to have is a posture of prayer, and the eyes we need to have are eyes that see where it is God is at work. And both these things are very liberating and fundamental if we're ever to be on mission. And so let's take each of these in order. And the first thing we're going to look at is the kind of praying that we need to do. There's a certain kind of praying that we need to do if we're to be on mission and if we're to take our part of the responsibility fairly. If you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, no, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, wrong. Matthew 6, not Luke 6. Matthew 6. Matthew 6, starting at verse 9. In this particular section, section, Jesus is teaching his disciples on prayer. Uh, What prayer is, what prayer isn't, and how they should pray. And here, what we're going to look at is the first part of the Lord's Prayer, which, you know, I've taught on this before. And it provides a framework, as I've said, of how it is to pray. Jesus said, pray like this. He didn't say, pray this every time you pray, but pray like this. So he gives a framework, a basic outline of what prayer should entail. And it begins with the all too common words. We all know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I just said it in the King James Version. Um, <laughs> it's got, it sounds better with the V, the thighs and all that, right? But, uh, you don't need a translator. You know what that means. There's so much that we could say about this. Because there's every little word could be unpacked here. Our Father, the whole our Father part, who art in heaven, we could unpack that. Uh, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. There's lots of little details there. There's so much there that just could be unpacked and understood. We could spend a long time, but I just want us to uh, to see a couple things this morning here. And the first thing I want to uh, want us to notice, and this was revolutionary, is that Jesus calls us to address God of heaven and earth as our Father. He says, when you pray, this is the first thing he teaches him to pray, is is to approach God in a certain way. He says, approach him as your Father, and this is very essential, because when we think of a Father, we shouldn't think of the fathers that we've had that were miserably poor in every way. Uh, in terms of their godliness, in terms of their reflection of outstanding character. He wants us to think of going to him as a father, as a child goes to their father, but to one who's absolutely perfect. Now just imagine a father who is perfectly good, just, loving, kind, patient, all-wise, all-knowing, boundless in his strength and resources. We have to, Jesus wants, this is, at the time he said this, no one, no one in Israel would ever have thought to address God, Yahweh. They wouldn't even say Yahweh's name as our Father. He's the Almighty. He's the Creator. He's the Sovereign. 
He is the one who, who created heaven and earth. How do I go to him as my father? And Jesus says, no, the first thing you have to understand is because how you think of him and how you approach him is fundamental. He's your father. And not just he, is he your father, he's your heavenly father who dwells in heaven. But he, you got to think of him as the most, you got to understand he's perfect and he's infinite. You know, if you look at a little child, if any of you have had children, and even when you were a child, if you had even a, a you know, a remotely present father at all, and he, he could be lousy in so many ways, but when you're a child, you don't even see how lousy he is. You go to him and you look to him and you depend upon him and you cry out to him and you just see him as the one who's the, he's your strength, the protector, the provider, the one you could go to for wisdom. You just, you ask him questions. You know, you just think that he has limitless resources. You don't really care about things. There's so much you don't know. But as a child, you go to that father, if you watch children go to their father and how much they look to the father and depend on their father and trust in their fathers, that actually has to be literally destroyed in children. A horrible, horrible, wicked father has to begin destroying that innate desire in a child to go to the father and look to them for their care, protection, well-being, support, help. This the, this the one that they look at and smile. And you look at, have you ever seen really, really bad situations where you scratch your head and wonder why these children are still, still desiring to submit under, like, or in, in some way have this uh, Im- imaginary father that doesn't exist? They'll undergo tremendous amounts of pain and turmoil and submit to awful situations just because there's maybe a hope that he would be a true father. And so all the, all of fatherhood, even the, the worst, even the best of them, can't even begin to reflect the true father. So you, you know, if you're to say, take a piece of paper and go, I imagine my father being the best father ever to be limitless in his, in his resources, limitless in his power. He'd be strong. He'd be faithful. He'd be kind. He'd be gentle. You almost see this character who could defend and protect anything because of his his strength. But at the same time, when you're next to him and near to him, he loves you and he protects you. And he uses all of that strength, all of his resources for you. And you, you can begin to imagine this most amazing father. And here's what I want to tell you. As you imagine that, you're not even close to how good and glorious our Heavenly Father is. You have to understand that our Father, He's not like, you know, you know when our children come to us and they exasperate us, and they, because of their requests, are beyond um, our resources. They drain our patience. We don't have the patience to endure with them sometimes. And sometimes they make requests that make us giggle because they, they think we have a lot more than we really do. And we just don't have those resources. Or they come to us with a quandary, uh, a, a problem that <laughs> you don't tell them this, but you think, wow, I, I cannot figure this out. Um, I don't know what to tell you. And so we maybe say something or make it up that they expose our finiteness, our fact that our wisdom is, is not past finding out. And quack, in, in fact, it can be found out rather quickly. Uh, <laughs> we, we get exposed. Bows to this fact that our children come to us and then we find ourselves lacking 
in so many regards. We want to be so much, even ourselves, more than we are as fathers. But then we find ourselves just lacking. But wouldn't it be amazing? And here's the thing. Jesus says, go to him. First, first thing I want you to know in all prayer, you go to your heavenly father. And now he's, he, he doesn't dwell on earth and he's not an earthling. He's in heaven. And he's infinite. When you're thinking of the heavenly father, you, you could never go to him and ever cause him to stress. You could never cause him to stress by, whoa, that's a big one. His wisdom is past finding out. His, he, he, and he will grant wisdom. He's there for you. His strength is limitless. His power, limitless. His resources, limitless. You can never tax him. You can never stress him out. You could never go to him too often. Sorry, it's been a, been a lot. I know. I'm probably wearing you out. <laughs> what? No, you can't. And this is the thing we have to understand is that if we are ever going to become a missional people, and here's why, how this, this comes to the point, we have to be a people of prayer, a people knowing that our, every resource we have or need is in our Father in heaven. He has everything you need. What are you lacking? And Jesus wants to know, he's your heavenly Father. Go to him. And go to him like a father. Go to him expecting to, to, and address him as a father. Your heavenly father, the one who has all things. And I think that we have to understand that so often in life we get exposed, don't we? And what we, where we get exposed is we lack. We lack wisdom. We lack strength. We lack understanding. We, we lack energy. We, we lack, we lack, we lack, we lack. We find we get exposed in life. And if you lack anything, what is it you need? then Jesus wants us to go to our Father and make requests. This, and don't be afraid. Go to your Father and make your requests. Let Him know what you need. I think this is one of the things we have to understand is that if we're ever to have the strength, the boldness, the wisdom, the understanding, the, even the opportunities and everything we need, we need to go to our Father who is in heaven. And the second thing I think we need to understand is that uh, we. this is where it gets missional. Right away from the beginning, Jesus says, I want you to pray this and ask this, that his name be hallowed, be honored. Hallowed be your name. May your name be considered holy. My desire, once I know my heavenly Father, that I go to him and I know how good he is and how awesome he is, once you know, truly know God, you know what cultivates in your heart? I have a desire that his name would be considered holy, that it would be lifted up, that it would be honored, that it would be esteemed. And it, and it breaks my heart when I look out in the world and I look towards the people around me and people are not honoring him. They're not esteeming him. They don't know what he's even given them. And you look in the world and you see the gifts and the grace and the goodness that he's bestowed on all people. And in your heart you say, oh, Father, I want your name to be hallowed. I want your name to be honored. I want it to be lifted up. That's a very missional kind of prayer. And the fact that it, it comes from a desire to have his name go out in all the earth. Because you look at the next thing Jesus says. Isn't it, I, I don't just, I, I do, I want your, your name to be hallowed. I, want, I also want your kingdom to come. He says, your kingdom come. And it, your, why? So your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Look at how missional this is. We go to our father and we love our father and we, we view him as father and we address him as our father and we, and we go as little children before this amazing father. And then right away after we're, we're in the presence of our father, we start directing our prayers towards his good glory and his, towards his kingdom, the expansion of it. We desire his name lifted up. We desire his kingdom to go forward. Very missional, right? Very missional in the world. We want his name to go, to go out. We want his kingdom extended. And, and why? I want to see, do you not want to see God's will be done, being done on earth as it is in heaven? Does it not pain you when you look at the world? One of the things that we, when we look at the world and we look at the news and what comes out of the world, what do we see? Do we see God's will being done? No. We see wars. We see perversions. We see hatred. We see pain. We see sorrow. We see murders. We see abortions. We see the rejection of God's design in all that's happening in the sexual confusion of our day. That's what we see, right? We see coming out of the world all this stuff that's contrary to the will of God, right? It's everywhere. Now, when you're seeing that and hearing that, does that drive you to pray, oh God? Do you instantly get missional in a sense? Do you go like the only solution for the world? What the, what does the world need? Father, the world needs your kingdom, your kingdom to come. What needs to happen is Jesus needs to begin to be exalted. The people need to turn to you. There needs to be repentance. Oh Lord God, that your kingdom would come every day, all the time that we should, we should see all these as a reminder of Lord, unless you build your kingdom and unless you extend your kingdom, unless your kingdom goes out, there's no hope for the world there's no hope and and it should just it, it should weigh on your heart and she should in a sense have, Jesus wants us to have a burden for the world he says I want you to pray a certain way and I want you to pray that your, your, your the father's name is hallowed and that his kingdom comes and it's extended so that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven pray like this be very missional in your prayers and always be, begin your prayers by going to your Father and wanting one thing first. First things first. And what's that? Oh, that He would be honored. He would be glorified. That His kingdom would go, Father, may your kingdom go forward so that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And just as Jesus, as we're going to look in a bit here in Luke 10, said to the disciples, pray. Pray that God would, pray earnestly, He says, that God would raise up workers. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray. And, you know, we have to, with this kind of as the bedrock, kind of understanding that if we're not praying this way, we're never going to be missional people. Because we have to, we have to begin our prayers and have at the foundation of our prayers this mindset of God's name being honored in all the earth, His kingdom going forward, and, and a desire, a burden on us almost to see, I want to see people come to know Him. I want to see the lost come in, and I want to, and I want to see them repent and turn to God, and I want to see that all of a sudden the fruit of righteousness being produced by God. So like a burden and desire for the, for the broken world to come to Jesus and to be healed so that his kingdom would move forward. Now I want to, I want to give you something 
as in terms of a, just a really practical way to flesh this out. How can you flesh this out so that in the, you can make this become more a part of your day-to-day life? Well, I think we need to learn to go throughout our days conversing with our Father. If you see God as your Father, and you see, know that He's with you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, Jesus said. And in His throne and room of grace, it's not far off. It's really near. He's there to help you in your time of need. I think we have to get in more of a habit of conversing with our Father as little children speaking to our Father and knowing that we don't, we don't have to wait. He's always with us, always willing to listen to us. And He's delighted. He's, you know what pleases God more than anything? Depending on Him. Depending on Him, not on yourself. God doesn't like it when, when we show off to Him. Hey God, look what I'm doing. Look what I, watch, watch, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, Father, and you know, our kids will often do this for us. Hey, hey, hey Dad, watch, watch. That's, that's great, that's great, son, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Um, but you know what we'd rather? We'd rather that, that our children trust us and depend on us than show off to us, right? And it's the same with the father. You'd, you'd rather have your children stand on a chair and, and, and you'd say, hey, jump, jump to me and I'll catch you. And they just jump in full confidence and trust. What delights your heart there is that was a commitment, a commitment to your faithfulness. And that you'd say, yes, I would trust you. And when they come to you for wisdom, they come to you for counsel, they come to you for help, they come to you to, for, for, with their needs, there's a sense in which a father delights in that. Right? Any father here today knows what it's like when they come to you, and you'd rather than be in a position of need looking to you to provide in some way and help than to say, hey, watch me. Right? But that's, that's, what I, that's what we tend to do is, hey, watch me, God, or prove to God how great we are for his glory and his kingdom. But he much prefers us like little need, needy children coming to him and being dependent upon him. So this means learning to pray as we go throughout our day. And one of the things you can do, which ends up being pretty exciting, I think, is that go throughout your day, whether you're at the workplace, whether you're at the grocery store, whether you're at Costco, whether you're in your neighborhood, or wh- wherever you are, and be in prayer to your Heavenly Father in a conversation, looking, for, looking to, to be used by Him. If, you're, if your desire is for His name to be glorified, for His kingdom to go forward, pray that, Lord, help me. Help me minister uh, grace to people. Help me to show love to people. You could say things even as simple as, Father, allow me to be used by you today. Help me to see where you're at work. Grant me opportunities to share the good news about you, perhaps. Or to be an encouragement to others. Direct me to the person, the exact people you want me to talk today. Where are you at work, oh God? You know, going through your day, walking through the grocery store, how often do we walk into the grocery store and go through to just to get our items? How would it be different if we walked into a grocery store and our goal and objective is to want to, to, to converse with our Father and be prayerfully walking through the store and asking for God for opportunities? Father, I'm here for you, and I want to minister as... Surely I have to get my list, and I'm going to go get everything on my list, but 
Lord, if, please, if there be anybody, I would love to, I would love to serve you in any way. I'd love, I want to see your kingdom extended and expressed. That's a, you start prayerfully doing that and that changes everything. And if you go, you observe and you watch God at work. You almost feel, you feel like you're like God's secret agent in the world <laughs> where he's working. You've now brought purpose and meaning to the mundane things that you're doing and you see everything as an opportunity to serve him. To, to use your life with, be very meaningful, even in the mundane things. Lord, grant me grace. Grant me blessing. Allow me to be uh, a light. Allow me to be a delight to the world. Joy, that they may see you in me. And so as you, as you walk and you converse with God and you look to him for the strength, for the words, for the wisdom, for the opportunities, for everything, he delights in that. And that's how we need to begin to live our lives. You know, in application of this, this last Friday I was out running around getting a bunch of things done that needed to get finished up. And it, I was in Costco on Friday walking through the, the, the mass of people and praying like this. And it was just interesting how conversing with, with the Father about what's all that's going on and people and opportunities. And there's always, he always gives either an opportunity to, to brighten someone's day or to help somebody out, to be an encouragement, to say, give a compliment. There's all these opportunities. And, and if you'll notice, he's giving them to you. It's not just, oh, an opportunity where you're able to sit down with somebody and explain the, the gospel on a napkin. That, that, that might rarely ever happen. But you have hundreds, he's giving you, actually, he's doing things and giving you opportunities all over the place. But we often blindly miss them. Like just saying something nice, complimenting someone, giving them cheer. And you realize you have the potential to go and shed light and joy and the life of the kingdom everywhere you go. And it, and it just rubs off on people. And I had this amazing, this is the best opportunity, the best thing that happened. And I came out of the parking lot and there was this, elderly lady, and I was pushing my cart to my, my van, and she was to my right, trunk open, and she had a few things in her cart and this case of water, and she says, hey, would, excuse me, I said, yeah, and she says, would you mind helping me with this water, case of water, you know, those big things of water, yeah, they are heavy, and I said, I would love to. <laughs> at the, at the, what, the reason I was so excited about it is because I was prayerfully asking for, that God would give me opportunities. And it just felt like, to me, it, it caused my heart to burst with joy. Like, thank you, Father. This was fantastic. And, and I said, I would love to. I grabbed it and I put it in her trunk. And, and she had some other things and I put those in her trunk. And she goes, and she, you just see her whole face light, light, uh, lighting up. And she was overwhelmed, just so. She's like, thank you so much. As I said, oh man, that was my pleasure. That was, that was so great. <laughs> I was like so excited that I had this opportunity. And, uh, and I say that because not, in no way, in, in no way to pat myself on the back because it was like God give, I was prayerfully walking through looking for opportunities. God gave it to me. She asked me. And, uh, and, and I had more joy in doing it than she did. Like, I was given the pleasure and the delight. But it's, it, and I thought, you know, there's a small little picture. You know, it might seem insignificant. Oh, great, Dean, you helped her with some water. Yeah, and I, it wasn't like, it was a, it was a small thing. 
But it turned into a little bit bigger of a thing. There was more joy and love and gladness in that moment. And two, we were able to interact and, and have uh, both of our countenances were lifted and we're able to, uh, you know, experience some joy right there. So the kingdom, the love of the kingdom is able to be spread. And uh, actually, I hope Byron doesn't mind. <laughs> he, he told me another wonderful story yesterday that happened to him at, uh, at Fred Meyer. And where he ran into a, a teller who was having a bad day. Someone had treated her roughly at the cash register, and she wasn't doing so well. And Byron said, hey, how you doing? And he could kind of tell. And she goes, no, nah, I'm not having the greatest time. And so, you know, he's trying to uh, bring joy to her little world, what was going on in her life at that time, and and said some things to her to, to encourage her. But then he walked away, and he went to the Starbucks counter, and he got a little gift card. Um, for, and he came back and he said, here, Merry Christmas, this is for you. And she was like, wow, totally made her day. And, and, and that's, that's, that's kingdom love. That's just God giving you opportunities. It was right there. You could, he could have left. He could have only just simply prayed in his heart. But there was an opportunity as you look at life and as you prayerfully walk through life, God gives you these moments all over the place. And that's... I'm telling you, folks, that's a life worth living, that kind of living. Just being on a mission, getting your stuff done, and make, checking your boxes and getting everything accomplished, that's not living. You're missing the best part. Yeah, sure, you have to do that. Yeah, sure, you have to do what you have to do. But if you prayerfully, you're in prayer walking with your Father and say, Lord, I'm here, I want to serve you. Give me opportunities. Give me words to say. I want to be an encouragement. Help me, Lord. Father, maybe this is the person. You dialogue with the Father, and then you can even, you can be praying for that person. You see them right then and there. If you, you just live this life of dialoguing, conversing with the Father, you, you, because in all of it, you're desiring for His name to be glorified, His kingdom to be advanced. And this is the way it happens through His people being the light of the world, going out and loving and, and just making people's day and having an impact and opportunities start popping up and you get all various kinds of opportunities and they could be as Monday as a smile, have a wonderful day and you, you encourage someone all the way to having a conversation that is deep and meaningful and rich and really helps someone out. It's everywhere in between. God's giving opportunities. And so I think that this is the, the, one of the fundamental we, things we have to learn to do is be prayerful, living life prayerfully. Because when you're praying like that, God is, you wouldn't believe what God's going to do for you and what, how he's going to open you to opportunities and show you things. He is going to give you these opportunities. So that's the first thing. The second uh, thing that we need to be doing is observing. And these go very much hand in hand. And this is a little bit of a review, but I want to pound it home with you. Uh, because praying and observing are two things. And, and this observing also goes with ministering, not just praying, but loving and ministering and observing. And we've talked about this in the past, but I want to hit it again and perhaps at a little different angle and just remind you of how important it is to watch and see what God is doing. In Luke chapter 10, which was read for us this morning. Um, it's a familiar passage because I've preached on it a couple times now and looked at it. And uh, there's no need for me to walk through the details there, which we've already done. But I only want to use this to remind you. 
to remind you of what Jesus told his disciples. You remember in there he says, go to these towns and villages, and, and you're to go and you're to look for people of peace. And if you find these people of peace who are responding to you, then you stay with them, you minister with them and through them. That's kind of going to be where it begins. And then in the, in the passage, actually, he goes on to say that what they're to do if they do not respond well. And he says that if they won't receive you, this is the words, he says, wipe the dust off your feet and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you and be gone and pronounce judgment on the place. So he shows us there that they're not, you're not to just keep hanging around and trying. You're to watch and to observe and to look where your father's at work. And this is Jesus is kind of teaching them the, what it's like to live life in ministry to, before God. Because this is even how he himself lived it. And we've looked at this several times. John chapter 5, 19 through 20, where he said, The Son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And this we see fleshed out throughout the Gospels, where Jesus is always testing people's hearts with questions and comments. He's, you know, we can, you know, you can clearly see in the Gospels, he looks where people are at and observes how they're responding. And the religious elite, the Pharisees and the scribes, how they're responding to him, he identifies them, doesn't waste any time with them, except throw sharp barbs back at them and realize what needs to happen there is they need to get broken. And so he just throws a couple things and leaves. And then there's those who are responding to him. And those who are really drawing near to him and responding to him, he, he will take and, and draw near to himself and disciple them. Begin to disciple them. And, and this is his pattern throughout the Gospels, to treat people and observe people where they're at and deal with them on that level. <clears throat> and so this is what, why he told his disciples in Luke 10, to observe, to observe who are the people of peace, and if they receive your ministry, will then move towards them. If they reject your ministry and they will not receive you, then leave them. And, and so those who didn't receive them were not to be pursued, were not to be gone after, were not to be invested in. So they didn't receive you. What do you do? He didn't say, turn around and double your efforts. He says, no. He says, they're not receiving you. Move on. And the reason I think I need to remind us all of this, of this, is because it's so easy for us to feel an unnecessary burden that's not ours. It's not ours to carry. It's especially if we're talking to somebody about the gospel or if we somehow get into a conversation about God. We, we sometimes think that we have to labor with them no matter what. No matter how that conversation goes. And that we, because we've given opportunity and because we're, we're talking about it, that we keep pressing, pressing, pressing. And what ends up happening is we end up not observing what God's doing. Because we might have been able to get into the conversation, but we're not able to observe that God is not in the middle of that conversation and their hearts hardened towards the things of God. We need to identify that, shut it down, and move on. But we're not good at that. And if you want to see how badly we're, bad we are at that, just go on Facebook and watch how Christians get in debates with non-Christians 
and they'll make comments, and they, and they think they have this wonderful ministry in the world wide web because they won't stop. They won't, they don't, they're not observing what's going on. And these people are vitriolic towards the gospel, towards God. They hate him, and they're just going for it, back and forth, and there's 8,000 comments, and, and, and it's just, it, it, it almost seems like who, whoever gives up first loses. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should tip the hat and bow out very quickly. In fact, you should never have used that forum to do that. Because now you're not acting like Jesus in this. You're not even observant of what's going on. And in, instead of adorning the gospel, it's starting to look really ugly. And it's, it's not good. You know, if we were wise fishermen, we would get that the fish aren't biting and move on. We would observe and understand what's happening, but we're not. We're not wise. We're fools. And we think we're just absolute fools for the gospel. We're just not, not discerning as to what God is actually doing. It's important to remember, who is the one working? Whose thing is this anyways? Who's the one in charge of all things? Who's the God of heaven and earth? Who's the one who is on mission? Ultimately, this is God's thing. God is on mission. And what he wants us to do is like Jesus says, I come and I work with my father to team. I want to team up with him. I want to see where, it, where is he at work and join him in that. If that's the mindset, we understand that this is God's thing. It's not my thing. It's not what I go and do for God, but it's God's thing that I do with God. And that's a big difference. So now what you're doing is you're a servant to the Lord. The Lord is at work in this world, and what you're doing is watching and observing. You go about ministering, and you look, and you observe, and see, and you test. You know, I, I remember being ignorant of this and not understanding this and on both the positive and the negative side messing it up i remember having a dinner one time with a friend of mine and in the in the conversation somehow we, he got around to talking about church and then he said to me you know I, i'd really like to get back to no he didn't even say get back to he says i'd really like to start attending church sometime and it didn't even clue into me it was like it was like, at, at the time, so we, we had some more, con- I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. So we talked a bit about church and stuff, but the, the conversation spun around, and next thing you know, we weren't even there, and, and I left, not even thinking anything about that. But if I was even a half-wit, understanding what was going on there, it's like, if I was observant, God is at work. No, no one's going to tell you that I really should go back, I should get, I'd like to go to start going to church sometime, unless God is doing something in their life. I should have been aware of that. But it, at the time, this kind of thinking wasn't in my head, and I just thought that would just lend us to more conversations somehow. And I left that, and it was just wrong-headed. Well, on the other hand, I've actually had uh, it go the other way as well. Where I've been in conversations, somehow the door opened up, we start talking about God and the gospel and things of God, and I could see that the person was resistant they weren't interested. They, they were interested in talking about it, but only from the perspective of arguing. 
They, what I, I came to realize is what they enjoyed, they enjoyed a fierce little debate. They enjoyed dialoguing and trying to prove how it was wrong, it wasn't right. And I thought by the very fact that we're conversing about God and the gospel, that there's an open door, here we are, here we go. And, 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 and I would become relentless in this. I would just think it was all a matter of tactic. I'd go back and I'd pray about different angles and ways, and I'd try to have a conversation with them again. We'd get into a conversation, and blah, 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 we'd battle a battle again, and we'd go back and forth like this. And I thought, man, God's really at work here. And why do you think he's at work? Simply by the fact that we're having conversations, I thought God was at work. But if I was observant, this guy's not interested in God in the slightest. He's interested in trying to disprove God, disprove the gospel. He's antagonistic towards it and doesn't mind talking about it. You know, you could actually, Christopher Hitchens, when he was alive... He would not mind debating. He would not mind talking about this gladly. And you think, oh, man, here's an open guy. He likes to talk about the things of God. No, he, uh, he's fairly open to having a discussion, but he is not interested in the slightest in hearing about the gospel. So there, there are two kind of scenarios where I think we mess up, at least, and I have messed up in the past, and we can fall into traps and forget to observe and be real observant, is God at work? Because even as we're praying, oh Lord, you know, for opportunities, and we, and we get opportunities, we have got to see, are there signs? Are there any indications that a person might be interested? Maybe they get really excited when you tell them that you'll pray for them. Or maybe you talk, tell them what opportunity and think, oh, that would be fantastic. You're seeing things, you're seeing reactions and interest toward you. It's not an argumentative spirit. And I just really think it's worth reminding us and having us remember that as, as you look at Luke 10, you look at Jesus' life and his ministry, Jesus was all about observing where the Father was at work and then ministering there. And when he's not at work, pulling back and moving on. And we need to learn that same thing. If we're going to be missional people, and this is where these two things come together, we need to learn to walk prayerfully before a Father in heaven with a desire for his glory and his kingdom to be extended. It's got to be in the heart. It's got to be, and it only happens as we, I tell you, if it, you don't become a person who goes into your work, who goes into your grocery store, who goes into your place of entertainment, wherever you're walking and moving in your house, in your home, and you're not living prayerfully, you're not going to be missional. Because it's not something that, like, it, there's a lot going on in life, and you're going to be focused on your own little agenda and forget that there's a great bigger agenda. So you've got to learn to walk prayerfully through life, seeking God's assistance and help, and that he would open doors and show you and direct you, and you walk with him through it. And second of all, as you do that, you need to be observing you need to be aware. You know, found gold. <laughs> that, that's how a person who lives their life on mission needs to have working in them. This is the kind of thing they need to be doing and how they need to be living. Prayerfully observing. And I'll tell you what, you just do that. You begin praying as you go and opportunities will present themselves. And you begin observing people's responses to you, and you'll be amazed at what God gives you and what you see. I think without those two things, 
you're really not ever going to be much of a missional person. You're not, we're not going to become a missional church unless we as God's people learn to live this way. So may God grant us all grace to learn to walk with God step by step, conversing with our Heavenly Father, desiring more than anything for His kingdom to come and be advanced so His will will be done, and observing where He's at work and what He's doing. And I tell you, that right there would be a game changer. Amen. Father, we're so thankful and we praise you that you are at work in our lives, in the lives of the people around us. This is your world. You created it. You sustain it. You're working in it and through it. And Father, we are your servants. We want to and desire to be used by you. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that each one of us would learn to converse with you and walk with you throughout our days and not just have certain times where we pray, but learn to walk with you and converse with you throughout the mundane things of life. And I ask, Father, that we would have eyes to see and we'd be discerning and wise and we would be able to see where it is that you're at work and walk in those directions. And we'll be able to see where it is you're not at work and stay away from those. Move away from those. For we ask this in Jesus our Lord. Amen.